from the traditional and ancestral lands of the Wasanich people, bordering on the land of the Lekwungen people. I'm Michelle Seeley, and this is Amazing Places. Hi, and welcome to Amazing Places podcast. Today I have with us Teal Phelps Bondaroff. He's on the board of the Greater Victoria Placemaking Network, and he's the current lead of the Pocket Places Project. He's going to talk to us how little free libraries are even more than just libraries. So welcome to the podcast, Teal. Fantastic to be on Amazing Places again. I think this is my fourth visit, which is very exciting. It's like an SNL lead, you know, you keep getting asked back. (laughs) Well, I've just upped my game. So and I'm excited. I think we are upping our game today because the amazing thing about little libraries is there's so much more than just books. So I'm really excited to talk about how we can use something as simple as a book box to connect people and build community and spread important information. Ah, it's fantastic. Let's talk libraries. Okay. So in what way are little free libraries more than just libraries in a community or neighborhood? Well, basically, what I've often described Little Free Libraries as is coral reefs for community. And you set up basically a human hummingbird feeder. And once you have a little book box, people are fascinated by it. They'll go look at it and they'll find books and and so many other things. But you create connectivity by creating a spot for people to connect. So many times in our modern society, we don't actually have places where we can meet strangers. Unless you're striking up a conversation with someone on the bus or in line at the grocery store, we don't have these points of interaction where we will bump into people who are very different than ourselves from different walks of life or just neighbors, unless you have an excuse. And so little free libraries create that excuse. They create a spot for you to bump into people and there's a ready-made conversation, right? Rather than saying, oh, talking about the weather or the price of gas, suddenly you're talking about books, which is both very intimate, but also very accessible. Right. Like, oh, yeah, Michelle, what are you reading right now? Right. And so suddenly you're sharing something more about your, your life than you would if we were just talking about the weather. That's really interesting. If people don't know you, I think they might guess that you have a science and marine background by your use of animal analogies there. Oh, I, my goodness. I spent the last, I guess, month working on a couple of book chapters on sea cucumber conservation. So that's not sea cucumbers make place in a very different way. But uh, <laughs> and no books involved for sure. Exactly. Well, I, I did. That's another story for another day. Okay. But the amazing thing about Victoria and CRD is we have a network of little free libraries. So I started the Pocket Places project with my partner. I guess 2017 we got involved in the project, and it started off with sort of four main goals. The first is mapping little libraries, promoting little libraries, building them, and then stocking them. And when we started by mapping out all the little libraries in the CRD, we mapped out 111, which was pretty good. Like that was pretty impressive. And the goal was to reach 150 for Canada's 150th. Well, we are well on the way to reaching 600 now. Wow. And people in Victoria love little libraries. And I think the reason is, one of the many reasons, is that they are so much more than little libraries. But what we've seen recently is people are iterating on the idea of a little library. So for those of you who are tuning in and haven't listened to some of the previous episodes, little libraries are book boxes that operate on that give a book, take a book principle. They can be little tiny boxes. The smallest one in Victoria holds one book. It's for poetry. (laughs) It's delightful. There's two of them that are just big enough to hold one book. And then the largest one is, oh, arguably the one downtown in Centennial Square. It takes two bike trailers to fill. So we're looking at maybe two or 300 books. And- What's fascinating, though, is people are iterating on them. So at the moment, and I'm going to give you a a wild, wacky list of what people have done with the simple, basic idea of a little library. Okay, go. Little libraries for books and and zines. 
we have some for just for poetry. We have some for just children's books. There's some for just French books. There's one in Bastion Square or La Place Bastion for our French friends, which is just for French books. The Francophone Society built it for their 80th birthday. It's delightful. Wow. I save all my French books and put them down there. There's some for magazines. So there's different sort of specialized book libraries. But then you have little libraries for household items. So little boxes of plates and cups and clothing. And there's a couple of those around town. And there's some just for toys as well, which I think is great because little libraries, kids just gravitate towards them. And it's great when they can find something other than a book to play with as well. And then there's a couple for art supplies, which is delightful in Fernwood. And the one that really made me smile was there are little free art galleries. So it's the same basic principle of a little free library, but there's glass across the front. And then the people who've installed a couple of these will have little pictures, like little miniature paintings on easels with like like, uh, with like dolls around them. And they have like a little tiny vernissage on the side of the road, which I think is absolutely delightful. But then there's more, there's puzzles and game libraries. So if anyone's interested, they can search the word puzzle on the Little Free Library map for Victoria. And there's at least three and you can go and swap out that puzzle of a cat you've done four times during the pandemic and find something new. And there's a little free library, there's little pantries for dry foods, there's a little fridge in Fernwood, and the one that's really been taking off are seeds and plants. So there's at least three little plant libraries where people have seedlings and plants, and the number of seed libraries is very large, and I'm actually adding a layer to our map this summer where we'll have, the current map has all the little libraries in Victoria mapped out, and we're going to add a layer of all the little libraries that have a seed library component. And that's for people sharing seeds, um, and it's just a fantastic way of promoting, well, you know, growing and gardening and food security and localism. It's just amazing the ideas and the ways that people have taken the simple model of a little library and expanded it, expanded the horizons. Mm-hmm. That's great. So the fridge aspect, that's something that's fairly new, is it? Yeah, I actually haven't visited it yet. It's okay. down in Fernwood. I haven't mapped it out, but I haven't gone down to visit. And my understanding is there's a community organization that's stocking it with food and they have a community support. It's basically mutual aid and they're stocking it. The food libraries, there's more debates around them because obviously if someone needs access to food, you want them to be going to food banks so they can also get access to other support and services. And also the food that's available at little library, at the little pantries may be sort of a limited range and there's concerns mm-hmm. about wildlife and things like that. So right. you don't want to see these at all as a replacement for proper supports for people, mm-hmm. but some people will set them up and they, have, they do play a role in society, mm-hmm. in the community. But the seeds and plants, that sounds great, especially let's get growing here and no food security. There's a whole lot of good things. And hopefully there's more native species introduced too through the seeds and plants. That's great. Absolutely. Well, it's an excuse to save seeds as well. We let one of our um, arugula plants go to seed this year and it was extravagant. Uh, I think I ended up feeling about 100 coin envelopes of seeds and they could have done more and oh. i don't need that many seeds there's only so much arugula a normal human can eat even an abnormal human can only eat so much arugula and so at a certain point it gave me an excuse to go visit the seed libraries and they're often connected with other placemaking elements and this is something else to also consider when talking about little libraries is i often see them as kind of the starter the entry level placemaking right it's a very simple concept when you visit a little library you get a party favor what's not to love but then you often see other placemaking elements being tacked on to the little library. So sometimes, for example, that would be a reading bench or mm-hmm. a bulletin board or a little seed library or a community garden or a boulevard garden or a fairy garden or a road mural or all sorts of other elements. 
And so the idea is that little library gives someone the placemaking bug. They see how easily it transforms the community and then they're inspired to do other things. And I love that aspect of little libraries as well. Mm-hmm. Well, something like a reading bench provides a benefit for a neighborhood if someone has walked a distance, just needs a place to sit, like a senior's coming along, or kids can gather and just sit in a meeting spot for local kids to meet up and, you know, and people just to sit and chat with their neighbors. It, it just sounds like a lovely uh, addition that is so much more than just the, the traditional book box type of an idea. And when you were talking about bulletin boards, is that something that is sort of on the outside or a separate sort of post with a bulletin board or, you know, or the inside door has a bulletin board space? So, and it, what do people use that for? Like just events in that neighborhood usually, or? It really depends, right? Every little library is different. Um, one of my favorite ones is there's one in, in Victoria that has a seed, a stick, a zine, a mug, a bookmark, a book, a household item, and a plant library all in one. It's like the Swiss army knife of little libraries. But the bulletin boards it really depends on the library. So our little library in Rutledge Park has a shelf for brochures and information. And so we'll sometimes go get, for example, um, there's some art in the park. And they ha- the, the municipality puts out some brochures and we'll put those in the library. Hmm. Uh, we grab a couple of brochures from City Hall for the emergency response information. And we put those out in the little library as well. And so that's sort of an ad hoc informal one. Some libraries will have like a plexiglassed in information board and that's often administered by the community. Right. We don't often have those anymore, right? If you don't have a lot of posts or public spaces like that, it's you know interesting to learn about what's going on in the community. Now, mm-hmm. we have a digital world, but not everyone has access to that. And it's not the same as walking by and seeing a poster for you know, your favorite band's going to be in town or, oh, there's a community gathering that's very informal. And that element of little libraries is a great way of spreading information. And actually, one thing that I've been doing more recently or throughout the evolution of the Pocket Places project has been intentionally going and distributing information to little libraries as well. And uh, so it started off with dropping off bookmarks for the Victoria Literacy Connection because Little Free Libraries Literacy, it's a perfect partnership. Right. And I've done all sorts of things. So for the context for our listeners, as I said, one of the goals of the Pocket Places project is to help stock little libraries. So I regularly, two or three times a week, weather depending, of course, December was a rough month. I'll go out with my bike trailer full of books and top up little libraries. Do about 30 to 40 little libraries a week on a good week. It's always leg day, of course, because you've got about 200 (laughs) pounds of books behind you. And I'll also go and drop off other things. So by the way, and I'm really excited about this part, since the project started, we've delivered 57,059 books to little libraries in the CRD. Not all of those are by bike trailer. We do book pickups from different places, but a good about 30,000 of those are hand delivered by bike trailer. So you got a low carbon active transportation method. This is also Mm. one of the reasons I'm so passionate about active transportation because close passes when you have a wide bike trailer full of books are particularly nerve wracking. And I don't usually want to die when I'm off dropping off books to the libraries. No, no, not compatible activities. But the other things we've been dropping off, it's been great. So during pride month, pride zines. So I got some really cool drag King pride zines. A friend of mine made up. I was dropping those off. I bumped into a little library back to our (laughs) coral reef conversation. Uh, I met this guy at a little library in Saanich and he is the treasurer of the local stamp collecting society. Now, during the pandemic, they've had a problem because they usually would go and give out free stamp starter packs to get kids mm-hmm. excited about collecting stamps to schools. They couldn't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. So he just gave me this huge box of these beautiful stamp starting packs. And I've been dropping those off to the libraries. I've done, I think, three waves now at this point. And oh, wow. the stamps are, these are cool stamps. Like, we're not just talking like your generic came out a few weeks ago. Like, mm-hmm. we had stamps from 
the Commonwealth of Newfoundland, you know, stamps from the 1950s. And that was a great way of sort of just spreading other people's passion and getting people excited about new things. During Poetry Month, I secured a bunch of books from local poetry publishers and was dropping those off. Mm -hmm. Someone in town is tying little hand-painted heart sculptures to little libraries. I don't know who they are. You're a beautiful person. Thank you. Um, I've run into like 10 of those. I don't know if you've seen the painted rocks around town. Mm -hmm. There's, There's those, they just pop up at little libraries. And one of the things that I was really excited about was as a way of contributing to the ongoing effort of truth and reconciliation, one of my friends proposed that we drop off copies of the Truth and Reconciliation Calls to Action, these little small booklets that include mm-hmm. UNDRIP and the main calls to action. And we fundraised enough money to buy 900, more than 900 copies of these booklets. And I spent wow. last summer dropping them off to little free libraries. And we're now at the second iteration of that project, which was we recognize that copies of UNDRIP aren't particularly accessible to young people. So the new project is dropping off children's books about truth and reconciliation. Mm-hmm. I just finished dropping off the last copy of Trudy's Healing Stone, um, which is a book by a local Indigenous author all about healing. And it's an absolutely beautiful story. And we dropped off, I think, more than 50 copies of her beautiful book to little libraries. Uh-huh. That's great. So it's providing different elements of what community is and what community can do to help each other then by bringing in those type of books and it's sort of a bigger engagement uh, a circle of who's involved. It, it's the thing I love about little libraries on that is that once you have this sort of community hub, they get mm-hmm. used for things. So things I've also found like that, those are the things I've been dropping off to little libraries, but other people have done their own things. Like I mentioned the painted hearts. Um, that was just a way I think of just spreading joy during a time that was a bit tense, you know, right. something for the pandemic, but there's, I've seen petitions on little libraries for community mm-hmm. projects. There was a community safety patrol sign-up sheet at one in Vic West. Emergency preparedness is quite a large one. One of my favorite stories was a local developer called us up and he's like, look, I've fallen in love with the book Happy City, which listeners of this podcast probably have a copy on their shelf. And if you don't, you should let, you should read it. It's a beautiful book. It's the placemaking book. It's, it's amazing. And he's like, look, I'd like to drop off a copy to every single little library in town. I'm like, this time I was like, dude, there's 300 of them at this point. And he's like, Oh yeah, that's fine. So he got us a box, 300 copies of the book. And we went, we were putting them out into the city, just spreading a book about placemaking and community development and sharing important information. It's one of those aspects where, again, not only do you not often encounter strangers in public, but you don't often encounter new ideas, right? You go to the library, you take the book that you're looking for out, not a lot of people will explore the shelf around it. Whereas the little library, if there's only 30 books and you really need a book that day, you might find yourself reading something that you wouldn't otherwise pick up. You might encounter information you would not have found otherwise. I think that's a really important thing that we don't have in our lives very often. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, just a couple other fun examples was <laughs> at the height of the pandemic, people were at home, they had to sort of socially uh, isolate. And so one of our members came up with a bright idea of giving out sidewalk chalk. So I spent a couple oh, of weeks dropping off yes. little badges of sidewalk chalk to encourage people to chalk their block. And just, so, just because you are stuck at home doesn't mean you can't also make your neighborhood more beautiful. And I've got an exciting bit of another one, last exciting story for you. Oh, I'm not, not the last exciting story. I could talk about little libraries all day. <laughs> could tell. One of the amazing members of the little library community, because it has evolved into a community. We have 400 plus people on a mailing list and we try to do events before the pandemic we were doing a picnic every year and we do regular book pickups we have different sources of books here in town 
and I'll get the people together and they'll come and take books, books away. But one of the projects that John came up with, he's just been this amazing little free library builder in Fernwood, was Little Free Library Bingo. So anyone who's visited a little free library, yes, you might find a copy of Happy City. Yes, you might find some sidewalk chalk or stamps, but you may also encounter the same books over and over again. Some Nora Roberts, perhaps some James Pattison, <laughs> some of the, the usual suspects. Yeah. Now, this is not to take shots to say that this literature is not good, but you might find it a bit boring. And the way that John got around this was, look, let's turn it into a bingo game. So rather than being disappointed to find a little library full of Louis L'Amour, let's have a square on our bingo card that says <laughs> Western book or book by a local author. So he came up with these little free library bingo cards. And last summer we were giving them out. And the idea was you could go and visit 10 little libraries and fill in your bingo card. And we have an exciting announcement about that uh, coming up next month, which I will tease listeners about. Oh, great. Um, but it just goes to show once you have this kind of infrastructure in place, this sort of ad hoc network of little libraries, just how many cool ideas and things can occur as a result. And it sounds like these ideas too are coming from the community there. They're being generated by each neighborhood or by each little group or, you know, the neighbors that are surrounding that, that library. It's not necessarily from GVPN or you or anybody from the board. It's community generated. Absolutely. And one of the roles that I see the Placemaking Network playing is just promoting little libraries. And by letting people know about them, you, you create more ideas, right? And we share stories as well. So whenever we can, and if people out there have stories to share about placemaking or little libraries or both, please get in touch. Because often someone didn't realize it was so easy to set up a little library or there's a new idea they hadn't thought of. Like I'll give you a couple other examples. One of the little libraries in town has a featured book every week. Uh, my little library is on social media, so it's it will connect with other little libraries around the world. Uh, there's a little library in Germany, our little library supporter in Germany, rather, and and she supports everything that we share. And we have this like this long distance relationship now between two little libraries. And the most delightful thing about it is, you know, there's two humans behind these book boxes, but the book boxes are just chatting away, like, "How are your books doing? Oh, they're still dry. Oh, excellent, good to hear. Oh, you see, you have some good fiction there today." It's delightful. I, I've noticed the Rutledge Library uh, does tweet about, you know, the type of day it's been or the weather, how many people are in the park. And it's it's really cute. And I know of another one up in Royal Oak area. And I there's another one. Is it in Oaklands? I seem to think there's there's a few anyway that have their own social media accounts. And it's really cute that, you know, you see that, again, it's, it's sort of a small community or neighborhood connecting with other neighborhoods in the region, correct? connecting with other ones across the country, around the world. It's just a really neat idea that just keeps growing and growing. I love how you see the sort of interplay between the digital and the real. Um, mm -hmm. My favorite example of this, well, I've got two great examples. One is someone tweeted at the Rutledge Park Little Library at Rutledge Park LFL. And she's like, I'm dropping off some manga. And I was like, I am down there to add some to my manga shelf. And made a new friend and I'm now friends with her and I helped her get her own little library on Alder Street so you can go check that one out it's on Twitter as well and we wouldn't have met otherwise because we just don't interact there's no place for us to otherwise meet but my favorite story is the doors of our little library got damaged because of entropy and I was complaining about it on social media and a woman signed up her husband to help us repair them. <laughs> Phil, he's an amazing person. He helps, he's helped repair our library a few times. He's building us a new one at the moment. And we've exchanged homemade beer and homemade brandied plums and cookies. I have a, a great friend who I would not have otherwise met 
at all if it wasn't for mm-hmm. sort of interaction online becoming very real. And mm-hmm. I love that aspect too. Uh, the little library that when our little library posts its shelfie every day or as regularly as we can, the shelfie, of course, uh, it's a great way for people in the neighborhood to also see what's there. And sometimes it's the only reason they're going to go out of their apartment that day because they know, oh, I want to get that book. And so it also makes the little libraries more accessible. Mm-hmm. I love that aspect of it too, as an excuse, like, oh, you know, I haven't left my apartment today during the pandemic, but I have to go to the little library because there's a book I want. And that is another reason to create social connectivity and to get people out into the community. Mm-hmm. Well, it's my dad's daily walk it includes a, a little free library in his neighborhood, he gets out every day for a walk and has to go stop by the library. You know, sometimes he takes out books and just keeps them and then puts them back again. And that's okay, you know, because if he has time to read them, he reads them. And if he doesn't, okay, though, they go back and somebody else can read them. But you're right. Absolutely. A hundred percent really gets people out and about whereas otherwise they might not have. And maybe we should clarify too, for some of these little free libraries that you're talking about today and the different iterations of them, I think you did touch on one of them sort of had a whole lot of things in one, but for some of these that you've talked about, like the art supplies one and the toys, puzzles, games, that kind of thing, are they separate to an actual book little free library or is it sometimes it's just a different shelf in each one? That's a great question. It, they really are different. Every single one is different. The puzzle library I'm thinking of in Esquimalt has a puzzle and game library next to a book library for children's books. Uh-huh. Um, some of the poetry books are just little poetry boxes. Sometimes there's different shelves. You can tell, by the way, which little free libraries are run by retired librarians because they always have like the youth shelf, the you know the adult shelf, the magazine rack. They are organized within an inch of their lives. Oh, there's I a, love it. There's one down in Esquimalt that's built out of a barracks box. So it's very like thematically appropriate, but it's also one of the best organized because each little shelf has like a different category. And I always feel bad when I'm filling it up with books because I'm like, I, I, do I am I shelving this wrong? <laughs> each one's really different and i love and people also build on them over time like one of my favorite stories was uh, my friend jean she built i think it was the 250th uh, little free library in town but she added a children's library next to it and then a puzzle library next to that and over time and i like that aspect as well one of my favorite examples recently was wicklow um, in saanich has a brand new little free library and they've donated their old one to another location and every year the neighbors would get together and paint it. And so it was always great. I had to update the map every year because it would have a new paint job, but it created this community event. And that's another aspect I, I definitely need to mention about little libraries is once you have one, you can not only add placemaking elements, but you can add events around them. So some people will like you know, theme them for the season. So during Pride Month, you put out LGBTQ plus literature or books written by LGBTQ plus authors. For Remembrance Day, we put out history books about war. For Halloween, I saved up one year an entire shelf of vampire fiction. You know, I mentioned we, we tried to do the little free library picnic, but other people will have block parties, throwing a birthday party for your little library. And it's, it's an excuse to get the neighbors out and interacting. But yeah, things like repainting parties or maintenance parties are also a great way to create connectivity. It's often, I find, difficult to just be like, hey, let's go hang out as neighbors. But if you have a mutual activity that helps make the community more beautiful, that's another way of, of connecting people. So it's, I think that element's really exciting. I mean, by the way, there's other things that people have done. Like I'm always impressed by this sheer diversity of things. Uh, on social media the other day, I saw someone sharing, they themed the spines of their, now I don't normally approve of, of color coding the spines of your books. I find it not my favorite form of shelf organization, but 
in this case, it was very cool because they did blue and yellow for the Ukrainian flag. So oh. not a library of books, but it was like in solidarity with Ukrainian people in its own little way, okay. uh, which I thought was just lovely. But other fun things are uh, for a while, some of the libraries will do a blind date with a book. I'm not sure if listeners are familiar with this, but basically you wrap up a, a book in newspaper or wrapping paper. And rather than telling people what the book is about, what the book is, you give them three or four words about the book. So, for example, um, if I had a, a little you know, brown wrapped book and I handed it to you and it had the words, uh, you know, wizard, school, adventure, you would probably be able to guess what book it was. But if I had something like animal character, philosophy, personal growth, that might intrigue you. And you then, you know, go on a blind date with whatever that book might be. And so it's a level of whimsy and excitement um, and intrigue that you can add to your little libraries that just fills me with absolute delight. Oh, that is delightful. <laughs> That's a lot of fun. Blind date with a book. And it doesn't cost you anything either. A no, very inexpensive date. Well, and for example, like during other holidays where gifts are exchanged, like in the winter, I remember bumping into a little library, the Seawalk Library in uh, Vic West. I think it's, yeah, Vic West. And they had pre-wrapped gifts and it was like a perfect gift for a young teen or the perfect gift for a child. And so if you were on your way to an event and you were without a gift and it was one of those mandatory gift swap things, you could just grab a little pre-wrapped <laughs> book from the little library. It's, it's little things like that where, and I think actually that's one of the things I wanted to highlight about libraries. And one of the reasons I'm so excited about them is in addition to the general nature of placemaking, which is softening the hard edges of the city and creating places for people to meet and interact. Like that's what placemaking is all about. But little free libraries are also about whimsy and they're just fun and they bring a smile to your face. So when the little library down on Kings has its daily dad quote, dad joke on a chalkboard and you cycle past it, when you have to go back the next day to get the joke, right? <laughs> it's just absolutely amazing to have these kinds of fun, whimsical additions to the urban landscape. Uh, yeah. We're talking about urban infrastructure. Often it's complaining about accurately bad infrastructure that's dangerous or absent. But sometimes it's nice to have something positive to talk about where it's like, this just makes me smile every day. That's a really interesting way to look at it, that little free libraries are a form of infrastructure, positive infrastructure in the community. They are. And that's, I mean, that's what placemaking is about, right? We often mm -hmm. consider infrastructure as being something the city builds, but placemaking gets people actively transforming their community and making it for them, for people around them and creating spaces for them to interact with other people in a positive way. It, I think really is it's softening the hard edges of a city. Mm -hmm. And often it's easy for municipalities and districts to design cities to create connectivity. That's really important. But people who live in the neighborhoods know the neighborhoods better than anyone else. They know this corner is the best spot for the library because everyone meets there. Or I see a lot of seniors walking past my library and they look tired. I'm going to put in a bench. It's that kind of that urbanism that's very local, that's very connected to the local community. That's also makes it more impactful. Mm -hmm. I remember talking to one group you know, a business that was trying to set up a little free library. And that works because it gives people something to look at when they're waiting in line for the pizzeria. But at the same time, if you have like a, a building developer that's trying to install a little library, it often doesn't work because little libraries are, they work really well when they're bottom up rather than mm -hmm. top down. Uh, the top down element doesn't work because you need someone who cares about it enough to check on it every day, to tidy mm -hmm. the books, to, to do events like theming the books for a holiday or to run a picnic or throw a birthday party. And that's often hard for the top-down approach to work. But the top-down approach does work if you have municipalities and, and organizations supporting the libraries 
by helping them grow, right? So by having grants available or building little libraries for people, and that's a way that you can have the top-down effect. So, so for example, if you're a business out there listening and you're thinking, how do I make little libraries happen in the world? Build some. You will find that the Venn diagram of people who want a little library and people who are incredibly handy and can make a little library out of scrap wood is a very narrow wedge of overlap. Can't speak people like myself. I'm an academic. I don't think I could. Building a little library is a challenge. <laughs> so it's one of those things where if you are really good at building things, build some. Uh, we have a waiting list of people who would like little libraries that just don't have the time or resources to build them. So we will post along with the podcast, we will post how to contact you to set that whole thing in motion of that people would really like to have a little free library in their neighborhood or in their front yard or however it's going to be. I do have a question. Yeah. I think you've named Vic West and Victoria and Saanich and Fernwood and different neighborhoods in that. My question is, it does every municipality or area of the 13 jurisdictions in Greater Victoria and the CRD, does each of them have at least one little free library or are there places that don't have as many? Great question. So there are at least two streets in Victoria that have more than five little libraries on them. What? Which is bonkers. Chambers and Kings. Now, Kings, it's more attenuated. So yeah, it's a long road. So you're going to have little libraries spread out across it. But you can hit up five little libraries on Chambers in like a 10-minute walk, which is just amazing. And then there are some neighborhoods that there might only be one little library and it's a couple of kilometers away. And so, yeah, if you look at the map, one of the benefits of having a map is it helps us identify gaps. And so, again, we can't do the top-down thing where we swoop into a neighborhood and say, here's a library, run it. But what we can do is knowing that those neighborhoods have fewer libraries. When my amazing friend Bruce builds a little library, we have this retired gentleman who just builds one every month and we find a home for it. It's delightful. And when he does this, I can look on my list and say, okay, well, we need a few more uh, in the West Shore. Let's, let's give this to someone in the West Shore instead of putting it down in Fernwood again. And so we can start to try and fill in the gaps in the map. Um, and I think that's, that's an important thing as well. One of the things I was hoping to do, and I haven't done this yet, just because it's, there's only so much one can do, was bring little libraries to people. So in the city of Red Deer, Alberta, they have a program where they put little free libraries on buses. Right on the wheel hub, there's a little box of books and you go on the bus, you can grab a book, you can leave a book. And the program is run by people with different needs. So they get to meet in the morning and stock the little libraries. And they've given out tens of thousands of books. And the cool thing about them is the, the buses move through the neighborhoods. So rather than having a stationary library, you have one that moves around, which helps fill in some of these gaps. Because there definitely are gaps. And I know there's been some, some research done into like understanding which communities have more libraries and which ones don't, and the demographics and things like that. And one of the ways you can try to get around some of the challenges of communities with less money not building as many libraries because they don't have cash lying around to buy plexiglass or buy a four by four post is you bring the libraries to people. And I love that idea. And so that's something I'd love to work on in the future is little free libraries on buses. There's one at the ferry terminal, which is also great. And oh, really? uh, I think like a two hour ferry ride over to Vancouver and there's, you know, you're going to pick up, you're going to, you might read whatever you have a chance to read. And so that's mm -hmm. a great little thing as well. Hey, here's a question. Is that one at the ferry terminal on the vehicular traffic side or the foot passenger side? Uh, good question. It is on the vehicular traffic side. Yes, it's over by the coffee shop, by the model of the of the ferry. But yeah, if you're you're getting food there, they could use a few more there, by the way. It's one of those spots where every ferry should have a little library on it. I don't see why not. Stick them on there. 
you could name them after old boats that have been retired, you know, <laughs> oh. or like the, the, Cum- the Queen of Cumberland could have the Cumbie Library. Come on, it's beautiful, right? There's so much potential. And this is one of the things I love about these projects is you get thinking about them and then suddenly hundreds of new brilliant ideas pop up and each would make the world a more beautiful place. I think that perfectly sums up you. Ideas just keep tumbling out as we talk of all the various potential projects that people could take on. That's great. There's one other thing I, w- I wanted to mention too. We're still in a pandemic. And one of the things that I saw at a few little libraries in town, which really filled me with joy, was people set up help books. Like have help can offer help or need help can mm-hmm. offer help. And basically it was a, hey, I need help picking up groceries once a week. Or, hey, I've got a car. I can drive people to appointments. And so there's this little book where people could exchange mutual support information. And I think that aspect, often we're talking about libraries, finding a painted rock fills you with joy and it makes, you know, makes you smile, but actually having this way of physically connecting people who need actual help on very specific things was another thing that made me very happy to see. Um, It made the little libraries a really important piece of infrastructure in some communities during the pandemic. Absolutely. And talk about building community and strengthening your community and neighborhood and connecting people. you know, in a positive way. Absolutely. This is why I've absolutely fallen in love with little libraries and and we'll do anything to support them. I can tell. Well, thank you very much, Teal, for talking with us today. Uh, Obviously, there's a lot of potential subjects we can talk on in the future, and I hope that you'll come back and we can do some more of this. I'm looking forward to it. And also, if anyone wants to learn more information about how to set up their own library or how to animate it to to help build community in their neighborhood, I'm sure there'll be a link uh, out with this episode, but it's the Greater Victoria Placemaking Network. You can also just Google Little Free Library Victoria, find the map, go explore the little libraries in your neighborhood, go meet people, go see how the creativity of people in the Greater Victoria area (laughs) has transformed the community with something as simple as a little book box. Love it. Thank you again, Teal. Take care. Reach out. Same here. Bye. This has been another episode of Amazing Places. With gratitude for our guests and listeners, I'm Michelle Seeley. Thanks for listening. <laughs>